Congratulations, you've made it to the Harkoverse. And what is a very special episode? It's a premiere of a brand new series of interviews that I'm producing and releasing here, focused on the music community of Ototahi Christchurch. As many of you know, I've recently relocated, moved myself to Christchurch, the Garden City, and uh, while I'm here, I want to discover what's going on. And a really great way to discover what's going on is by interviewing, by meeting the people here doing the things. It's very selfish also because it's a cheeky way for me to meet people who may not be interested in just casually hanging out with me, but are interested in being interviewed. It's also a great chance to highlight the talented and vibrant community of this city to everyone else who maybe can't be here, can't visit as regularly as they like, and want to kind of know what's going on. So yeah, there's going to be new episodes around every two weeks, amongst all the regular standard programming of interviews here on the Harkoverse. And as always, you can support what we're doing here by uh, following the podcast, sharing the episodes on your social media, or even, God forbid, through email. And uh, extra for experts, you can go and subscribe to my newsletter, which comes out weekly and features a whole bunch of great stuff. Anyway, enough of that pre-ramble. Let me cross you to a storage unit, somewhere in the depths of Wollstone, to meet our very first guest. Welcome to Exploring Autotahi, new series where we talk to people, you know, involved in music in Christchurch. It's so weird, as soon as I'm doing an intro, my, my like, time, like, the rhythm of my talking changes and I've... You're I, on the radio. I hate it, because we're not on the radio, that's the whole point of this. Um, but I'm here with Brian Ferry. Now, what, what would what would the... Is it like... What are you of melted ice cream? CEO. Great. <laughs> I um, think that's a good term for it. Um, that's... I'm not the first CEO either. No. Well, so, I was going to, you know, because I did a bit of research for this, so there yeah. is part of it. Um, but, yeah, so you're – but that's a, a bit of a understatement as well. Like you do – it's a and Melt Ice Cream is a record label. It is. Would you say it's like a, 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 it's a promotions, it does gigs as well? Um, you kind of do a bit of everything as you have to. Yeah, I suppose so. It's, it's the whole – yeah, it's promotions. It's like – it's a umbrella to um, uh, to help my own projects gain a bit of traction, but also to help other people's projects gain traction. Mm. And and I like helping people. So yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I think a good place to start because I don't actually know this about you is is what was your like um, early entry and journey through music here in Christchurch like how did you how did you start how, what what was it like back then it was pre-earthquake um I sort of I think I was, I was thinking about this last night I think I started my first band when I was about 22 or something like that um I was sort of a bit later on to the scene than a lot of my friends of the same age uh but that's because I grew up on the west coast and I was just a bit scared of going to uh, no, uh, maybe I was a bit, yeah, uh, a bit older than that. I th- I've, anyway, um, I very early on I met some cool people 
um, when I moved to Christchurch. In fact, I was sat next to Neil Robinson, who's still a good friend of mine, like on the first day that I went to study when I was 18. Um, and he introduced me to this guy who was in a band with Joe Sampson, who I'm still hanging out with, um, and sort of ended up in a peer group that was a bunch of musicians and ended up just sort of flatting and sort of, yeah. So the entry to the, and I started going to gigs at probably, I think about age 20 and there was sort of a bit of an all ages scene and then Goodbye Blue Monday popped up and that was a great bar that had lots of gigs and I started playing in bands, had one called Magic Eye. Um, Played a couple of really good gigs at Goodbye Blue Monday. Uh, then that fell down the earthquake, and um, 2011 rolled around, and I got this flat with uh, Ben Dodd, Joe Sampson, and various other people, and that sort of became a jam room practice space, and that's where Melted Ice Cream started. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, Salad Boys used to practice there, my old band X-Ray Charles used to practice there, and Joe had this idea of starting a label. Um, he got a logo made, and he didn't really know what to do with it, and I was kind of like, well, you probably need to do it, do this and do this. Um, and it was just sort of whacking things up on Bandcamp, and then we got a tape duplicator, and just sort of generally um, started to get our shit together slowly, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, uh, I, I guess what it comes down to is most of my friends have just been musicians over the years, and I came to Christchurch with kind of the intent to become uh, at least, it's, a, it's like being bands, um, and uh, yeah, that worked out, I guess. And, and yeah, <laughs> here you are in bands. Yeah, very much so, and not in quite as many bands as I have been in the past. Well, there's lots of theoretical bands that are um, still going, but uh, not very active at the moment. Yeah, they're on hi hiatus. I'm not even sure if it's that. It's more like the they're just in the ether at the moment, and then we occasionally get asked to play gigs, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, how did the songs go again? Okay, cool." <laughs> yeah. How did you guys get away in that flat? Like, what to be making as much noise as you did? Have jams? Have band practices? Like. Oh, we just had good neighbours and, and they liked it. Um, it was, uh, and I guess it was actually relatively quiet um, when you walked around outside. We had uh, just, there was a block of flats next door, heard craziest dumb no um, blasting out of it once. And I was like, oh, okay, these people are good. And uh, went around and sort of met them and turned out that they liked the band practices. And the other house next door were just massive stoners, and they were <laughs> um, they were pretty nice as well. Their cat got stuck in the garden shed once. That's how we met them. Oh, nice! For a week or something. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Survived off rats. Um, I don't know how it survived. It was like five days without water. I guess cats are built a bit differently. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So. You, it's, <clears throat> I've heard from people in Christchurch before, but I actually read it again in actually an old 
under the radar interview with Magic Eye from like 2010, which I found. Um, but it's this idea of boredom, like how important is boredom in like you and your group of friends kind of like motivation to be, have done what you've done and also continue doing what you're doing. I feel like that's quite an early 20s thing because uh, for me, I am really bored. Isn't R-E-L-Y yeah. <laughs> um, these days because I, I just have lots of shit to do. And I'm not bored. I, I, I'm a, maybe I'm kind of a bit of an anxious person, but I, I tend to um, – I've got lots of things that I need to do. Um. Yeah, I think, okay, so back in the day, um, I had a series of shitty jobs and a lot of time off, and I used to, um, yeah, I think I used to be quite on board, um, and I used to make music to, to fill that void. Wish I got, yeah, I need a bit more boredom in my life, actually, because I'd write more songs. Um, but these days I'm my, um, yeah, good day job that's reasonably intense, but kind of reasonably rewarding or also reasonably chill at the same time. Um, and then in my evenings I try to do something, um, creative as opposed to watching TV, um, like doing some mixing. So yeah, boredom doesn't really factor into it these days. But I think I like to be entertained and my entertainment sometimes comes in the form of mixing a song. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that Christchurch in general was more boring back in the day, stayed the same amount of boring as it is now? It probably is the same amount of boring, but I just got older and mm. less bored or something like that or I, I maybe I um, figured out ways to be less bored um, and that's interesting because there was a lot of there was a bit of a scene that sort of happened around sort of what 2008 I guess you would have probably 2009 2010 that the interview probably was made yeah um, <clears throat> and I guess m me and most of my friends then would have been um you know, early 20s, figuring out what to do with our lives. Um, probably without sort of decent day jobs. Yeah, and um, a lot of those friends have sort of moved away, probably because they did find Christchurch boring. Um, and for some reason I stayed here. I think it's just been because I've never had it so boring or so tough that I've had a reason to firmly move from Christchurch and I've got all this stuff here like got my roots down pretty well yeah and so you, I still don't know if I answered that question <laughs> no 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 it's good I mean that's I think that's going to be one of the general questions and themes of these interviews and meeting people is kind of getting a personal sense of how Christchurch has changed or not changed for them because mm. I think there's a lot of, it's easy for me to come in and assume, well, because of the earthquake or because of just the passage of time or all these things that there's just been this huge amount of change. Mm. 
Mm. Um, but I don't know that for, for a fact. And it'll be really interesting to hear through people's own um, interests and experiences what that transition has been like, you know? Yeah. Because like you point out, you've there's those guys that, in the flat with you and the kind of community and scene you found and some of them have moved away, but there, there's been a kind of core group of people that have stayed here and are featured in bands, made music, mm. are still making music. Like, yep. what Do you have any insight as to like what it is about maybe yourself or those people that has kept them here or kept them going around in the scene? Is there anything in common or they're all just like their own individual kind of psychos who are like, let's just keep doing this thing? Well, yeah, so I'm, like what I'm thinking, the, the people I'm thinking of right now are the members of Kool-Aid and like the members of Best Bets, which I think are uh, two bands that have been very firmly based in Christchurch for the whole time and never moved away and never have really um, decided to... Uh, I think there's a healthy resentment of Auckland. <laughs> I think that's part of it. And uh, maybe a bit of an eye roll at people that like move to Melbourne to try and make a music career. Um, uh, and um, <clears throat> I think there's probably um, like socioeconomic reasons for that as well. Like um, I don't think any of us uh, particularly trust fun kids or, or have a whole lot of money to actually be able to do that sort of thing. Um, and maybe that's a, a big sort of factor of it. Um, I guess there's a certain, a certain attitude of, um, uh, like being reasonably content with what we can do here and, and yeah. Um, yeah. So I yeah, I think ultimately it was like none of my friends are rich or at least were rich. Um, you know, some some people myself included have you know, got decent jobs over the, over the years. But um that still didn't make me or them want to leave Christchurch particularly. But yet there's still that sort of um desire to make music and um and be creative in this town and try to be kind of world leading in a way and try to be like have that thirst for making something that's really good uh which i think we all sort of acknowledge you know moving out of christchurch um doesn't help with um, like going to Auckland, uh, like a lot of bands do, we um, makes things a bit too easy, I think, and, and the music suffers for it. Um, that's kind of an attitude that we have uh, down here a little bit. Um, like, so they've got the they've got the industry up there. You can hype a band up. There's, I don't know, there's always a band that's being, you know, you, you hear about it on social media. Currently, DC Maxwell. Absolutely massive um, sort of hype around it. Are the goods there? Maybe. Um, 
would have banned from Christchurch ever get that sort of hype? Um, you know, maybe not. Like no, no sort of na nationwide hype. So what we're interested in generally is um, is uh, trying to make the best quality thing without worrying too much about um, without relying on the industry too much or I think just a general faith in the fact that what we're doing is quality and will find its audience at some point um, yeah um, and then there are people that do manage to move away like Ben Woods is a recent example <coughs> Um, I think he still has that attitude and he's uh, achieved a lot of that stuff that um, that I was just talking about, like having that sort of world-class um, ambition. Um, but he's he's got the means to, I think with his move to Melbourne, he's, he's um, looking to take it to another level. And he probably is a bit more ambitious than um, the typical person that stays in Christchurch. So yeah, okay. So I guess there's a mix of um, socio-economic reasons that people stay in Christchurch. There's the idea that we can create things that are world class just by sticking around here, and we know that we're good. We probably have the means to, you know, uh, create stuff, and we're we're not too worried about like. Um, taking over the New Zealand music scene. We're just sort of doing it because um, we just want to make, we just want to create stuff. And I, I, as I said that, I was thinking, actually, we kind of do want that New Zealand exposure as well, but it's, it's a sort of hard thing to come by. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. Um, good question. Yeah, it made me ponder right then. I don't. I, I haven't. I've, I haven't really thought about this sort of stuff. I've just sort of lived it for quite a long time. Uh, that's why I'm talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, I think that's really interesting. Um, what that brought up for me is, like you said, you you guys. Let's say like the um, best bets guys and the Kool Aid. Yeah. Core. Um, you've stuck through and and uh, are here and there's obviously been at times very little but still infrastructure here for you to be able to do these things venues to play at mm -hmm. you've been able to find this space for yourself um you had the flat all these things yep um now there's obviously a lot of re uh, maybe it never stopped but let's just call it renewed chat about um venue closures mm -hmm. lack of all these things do you, are you, how do you feel looking forward to say maybe the next 10 years for say the next group of best bets and um, Kool-Aid kind of musicians? Are they going to have the same chances or the same um, infrastructure available to them to also stay through, do you think? I worry that there isn't another group and that it's just going to die out. <laughs> Is um, that a concern you have? I, uh, yeah, a little bit. Like, um, there's there's some good stuff coming through. Um, I quite like Seneca and um, the... In fact, I put out the Seneca 
tape. Um, uh, and they're quite young, they're sort of 18 to 22 year olds. Um, and pretty musically talented, write good songs. So if I'm thinking about them and the opportunities that I had when I was their age, which was, well, I was actually slightly older than them, um, playing at the likes of Goodbye Blue Monday to a packed room um, without really even being a band that had anything out. Um, that certainly changed. But but then they pack out rooms anyway because they're, um, oh, I think they're good to start with, but also they've got lots of friends. Um, okay, so, well, the thing about Christchurch is that we did have a lot of venue closures, and that was that was due to the earthquake. Like there was Good Bible Monday, and that that was, and there was I don't know there was Zebedee's, which actually closed down before the earthquake, I think sort of died a slow death um there's a media club which fell down in the earthquake there was uh, a few uh, ducks ducks was huge so so Christchurch has had a extinction of venues before um and what happened was dark room popped up that was the first one I was there on day one bang bang explode amazing um, and I think T54 might have played. No, no, I think it was just Bang Bang Edge. And um, I was just a, it was my, yeah, it was a, your thing's beeping. What's that? Oh, it just right. died. Yeah, I didn't charge it enough. Okay. It's all right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so Christchurch has had a venue extension before, which was, <clears throat> um, I guess that's why I'm asking, because you guys kind of, your group kind of lived through that. Yeah, um, I think Darkroom was um, actually kind of just amazing, just right place, right time. Um, it it never was a replacement for the Ducks, although we had Ducks Live, which had some sort of biggish gigs. It sort of became its own thing, <clears throat> and it was different to how Darkroom is today as well. Like with the different owners, they've sort of just had different vibes. The first um owners of darkroom uh an absolute charlatan um bum bag called jasper who fucked over heaps of people um didn't pay their student loans and stuff um he he had the means to start the venue up he had some money <clears throat> transpired that he wasn't a very good guy but um the other person involved was Tennille, um, who was in Bang Bang Itch, and she, um, and the darkroom was very much her vision, I think, and, um, and she's an indie, and she, uh, I've always had a lot of respect for her, she's just got this cool sort of DIY sort of attitude, and I think the darkroom was kind of made in her vision. So there's, yeah, um, and then it went to Marcus, and then it went to um, the current owners, Feather and Nick, um, who have uh, somewhat sort of changed the, the vibe of the place, just just as it happens. I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know that Marcus ran it for a time. Yeah, no, um, it was actually pretty good. Marcus and Nick White, um, who's uh, right on Supercell. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Um, or at least, yeah. And there's also a couple of others um, involved with it in that era as well. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, okay. So I think the what the blessing of Darkroom was, was just... Um, it was more than just a venue. It was a sort of a, a scene in itself. And a lot of us millennials sort of um, ended up um, musically sort of growing and and um, becoming part of uh, the scene there. So I think the answer to your question is like, okay, what do I, so what, so say we have another venue extinction, Darkroom, Space Academy, well, 12 Bar has already closed. Say those venues all have to close because of um, because of the residential building that's going up and say there's no, the council can't save it, there's nothing that can be done, they just have to close down. What I think is um, that it really relies on just people like Neil like Feather, like Richard from Space Academy, who genuinely have a passion for um, music and uh, live venues. And I think um, that would come from, that would have to come from the newer generation doing it their way, <clears throat> in the same way that um, Darkroom was sort of done by someone of of uh, my generation as a millennial, <clears throat> excuse me, as a millennial sort of spot. So yeah, I guess it's um, it would it would be down to d yeah, Zoom is opening bars. Is do Zoom is open bars? Well, so I that's because I for me that's worrying because you know. Tanil, all like you reference, I think two things that go hand in hand: a healthy all ages scene translating into a healthy adult scene. Mm, yeah, I don't, okay, th yeah. I don't think there is a healthy all ages scene yeah. here or anywhere, as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. And so, for me, that's pretty simple: that kids either playing music or watching their friends play. That they're not getting experience of live music early in those formative years. They're not seeing how fun it is. Mm -hmm. And so why would that translate into them just picking that up? I guess maybe some of them get folded in at university, but as we've talked about previously, I think they just follow a couple of university bands. They're not in generally into live music as for the rest of their life. I, I, I worry about that. Yeah, um, I think that's part of why I like Seneca. They just sort of seem to not be part of that. They they seem to, be, seem to have their own little scene going. Um, the they're not uni jocks. They're not. Um, yeah, and I'm sure there's other bands around that are similar. Um, there's a, quite a few bands popping up that are playing darkroom these days that aren't uni bands. But yeah, I don't I don't know where the um where the kids are uh you know playing gigs these days. Yeah, I did go to a, a two o'clock afternoon saturday show at um rolling stone really um the uh i don't know if you've met them yet but the, there's some very tenacious young men called um stone child <laughs> yeah but they're uh, uh i i saw them at rock quest and then followed them through and they put on a 
a yeah start at two i loved it because rocking up to a gig at 2 p.m and leaving at like six was amazing it was yeah. them and they had um the wendy's nice. and i think um is it hog oh yeah i think hog played as well nice. it was a great lineup but yeah um I, I i felt like that was a and talking to them i felt like that was a rarity and uh, that there was an all ages show that they could play <laughs> so yeah <clears throat> why do people open all ages venues though like the the guy that ran zebedee's um what was his buzz what was he even doing that i mean it's it's weird I mean, yeah like he was pretty weird though right yeah <laughs> but i mean uh, it, uh, and i mean that in a in a way that like i haven't heard any reports of him doing anything unsavory <laughs> but um but I, I, yeah. What 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 makes someone open an all ages venue if it's not going to be a hugely profitable thing? Maybe it's just a love for the community. Maybe it's just maybe it's something tied to a school. Well, personally, I don't think all ages scenes actually need an all ages dedicated venue. Right. I think that successful all ages scenes actually just have promoters that put gigs on at um, all ages accessible venues, like like halls. Or stuff like that. True. And just yep. make it happen. So it's more of a gear thing, I think, than a, like a True. physical structure thing. And it's also like, uh, yeah, it's, it's not being too picky, right? It's letting, letting yeah. some bad, some kids that are in a shitty band play some songs. <laughs> and maybe they'll just not be shitty at some point. Well, in fact, sometimes they'll just be totally awesome as well. Yeah. Um, Mostly totally awesome, actually, I think. Yeah. This is funny, though, but me talking about it, I never actually really was part of an all-ages scene. Um, but I guess me coming from the West Coast and and growing up there and just wanting to play music, um, it, it would have been something that I would have been involved with if I did grow up in Christchurch or grow up in a place with um, accessibility of that. So for in my case, um, it's not... No, it doesn't actually ring that true. But that, no, but I think you and I, because I grew up in Timaru, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think you and I have what I call rural desperation, <laughs> and yep. so like we are so we were so starved and so had into, into music that the idea that as soon as we had access to it, we were gonna just get so involved. Yeah, totally. Whereas yeah. like what we're kind of talking about is like the general public of the major centers they get exposed to um sport as they grow up two or three times a week they play with friends they see friends playing so they grow up liking sport and attending sports matches and watching mm. sport it's not the same for music anymore smoke free rock quest is kind of the only true it's still going well it, it was the only avenue for me in timaru but that makes sense i don't mm. think timaru could have an all age scene but now it seems to be the only access for people in christchurch that's yeah, yeah true so that, that's that was true sad. for Greymouth as well um yeah a few Few bands. Um, I emceed a, a grey mouth. Did you? Um, smoke for Rock back in my day. That's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, real des desperation. I think explains you and I. Yeah. Okay. I think that's valid. Um, but, but then, then again, I see like um, there's a few punk bands. There's a definitely a three punk bands <laughs> to four punk bands in Timaru that are doing some cool stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, out of luck and that sort of buzz chop records um scene um 
but it could be very similar to you where like they just set down roots in Timaru and are they going to stop making music or putting it out just because they have a life now? I don't know. I don't get that sense from them. I've, 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 um, yeah, hard to know. Hard, hard to, to know. know. But yeah. Um, it's, uh, obviously I'm not assuming that you're the definitive voice on this, but, um, I'm just curious as to what your personal answer for this would be to your taste is what do you, if someone asks you what's like the, what's a, what's the strength? What's the thing that the Christchurch music scene is, is good at or has traditionally been good at? Like, what would you, what's that answer for you? Um, there's just a few key characters that make, uh, that are nerdy enough but creative enough to actually make good music. Um, and um, what's the scene good at? Uh, um, the scene that I'm involved in likes good music. We we like, and we we talk to each other about the the music that we've found, and it's. Um, generally sort of indie rock, classic rock and um, punk focused um, and I feel like that comes with a certain attitude like the, the, the music itself is kind of reflective of what, of how we see ourselves, um, I guess. Um, like for instance, say, um, a lot of my friends are into Guided by Voices. They're a band from Dayton, Ohio. They were a bunch of thirty-year-old teachers. Well, Robert Pollard was thirty and a teacher when he broke through in nineteen ninety or whatever. Um. And uh, just made these cool lo-fi records that are good songs and kind of have a bit of a punk attitude. And I, I feel like we see ourselves um, perhaps as a similar sort of scene to that. Um, yeah. And I've been to Dayton, Ohio, and it's a shithole. It's, um, it's, it's really run down. And, but... In a way, I guess that's kind of what Christchurch is. So what, um, well, no, Christchurch is being built up as well and there's lots of other issues with that, but um, in a way, that's what Christchurch was. So what is the scene good at? I, I think we're, um, I think we have good taste. Yeah, I think we have good taste and um, generally have a few good key members who... Um, are good at making uh, music that is tasteful. <laughs> mm. And maybe um, maybe environmentally, because we aren't super like industry-focused or money-focused, we're not super interested in trying to make a buck off it, so all we can do is just make music that we think is good with our good taste. 
and hopefully other people will think it's good as well. Yeah, so I think that's yeah, I think that's my answer. <laughs> yeah, cool. I like that. Um, we're coming to the end, but you did just mention something there that I do want to kind of get you to elaborate on, which is um, you said Christchurch is building up again, and there are the, and there are problems with that. Mm. What, what 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 do you mean by that? In terms uh, of the just, problems, of course, it's, I, un- I think we understand what building up means. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, oh, well, loss of venues. Um, everything's going to be a bit too expensive, I think, to, um, like, uh, but then again, like, there's spaces like this. The, um, and I should mention that there's heaps of um, other practice spaces in this complex here. There's probably about five or six and lots of punk bands and metal bands and stuff play around here. So Christchurch still has this, um, it's kind of almost like a storage unit scene. That's kind of uh, cool. Yeah, I think actually you could, you could easily do a podcast about all of the storage units around here. It's kind of fucking awesome. It's, yeah. Um, so... So, so okay. So, I think Christchurch has possibly some problems with venues potentially closing with the inner city diversification, densification, um, and um, noise compliance and stuff. But perhaps we just need to move out to the suburbs. It's not actually that far. Um, I mean, real estate prices are going up everywhere. That kind of shuts out. Um, that means that rent is getting more expensive in um, certain areas. Thankfully, this this place hasn't really gone up in rent, and hopefully it won't. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think Christchurch's problems will be possibly venue closures and the lack of new people coming through into the music scene. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Yeah. Um, I think as the series goes on, I might change these questions out or add to them, but I've just got like a, a couple of quick fire. Oh yeah. They're not really quick fire questions. Um, but one of them that I want to ask everyone is, um, who do you think I definitely need to talk to or interview on this podcast in Christchurch? Uh, and the podcast is about the Christchurch music scene. Christchurch music scene and and um, venues, uh, venue. Uh, you know, I'm I'm planning on talking to Marcus and hopefully Feather, and then talking to musicians, and then maybe talking to pit people from the past. Or oh, both of those people were just um, who I had sort of top of mind. Yeah. I guess um, someone from the punk scene, um, Dan Richardson, would be pretty interesting to talk to. Um, the, the likes of. Um, or, or Johnny Fast. Um, he's been in heaps of bands for ages. Um, <clears throat> I think um, yeah, and in, in, inside this scene, um, Hannah from PGX would be interesting to talk to, but that would be uh, because her, she's American and she has also kind of got this um, um, outsider's perspective on on what makes um, the music scene tick. 
um, she also did a PhD on South Island rock music. Um, yeah, so she 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 has a um, an outsider's perspective, but probably an interesting one. Mm. And she um, certainly can talk. Um, I think. Um, sort of part of me wants to like there, there's like the old school scene as well like um the term you know Stephen Kogel or um Arnie Van Bussel who ran, runs Night Shift Studios perhaps um these people like that were doing stuff in the 80s and have seen the um the change of of Christchurch through the years um like anyone from the Bats Kay Paul um they're pretty um pretty central to what we consider um the good music that comes out of Christchurch. Yeah, I think we can, Paul. Um absolutely. The 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 mum and dad of the Christchurch <laughs> music scene. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um and I guess the last thing is what song from Christchurch or the Christchurch scene of any, of any age would you like to play out the episode with? And it can be a self-plug. Mm, the thing that came to mind was like Better Pickups by Salad Boys. Um, why, why, why do you think that song came to mind? Um, like Salad Boys is probably the um, the most successful band of what I would consider the sort of indie rock scene to come out of Christchurch. Um, and, I mean, Joe, um, another person that you should probably talk to, um, has, um, like, a, a long history in, of making, like, really good music. Um, and uh, that was just sort of the song that came to mind right then. Yeah, um, the only Christchurch band credited on a parquet court's back sleeve. Really? Yeah, that says, and uh, one of the thank yous, I, I think it might be Sunbathing Animal. Oh, no um, way. It could be one of the others that says... Uh, thank you to Cellar Boys. Cellar Boys. Fuck, I need to get a copy of that. Yeah, I'll have to find it once my ship moves down here. Yeah. I've, uh, I mean, yeah. Almost a self-plug, because I have played in Cellar Boys, but I don't really consider myself as A Cellar of, Boy? Well, I, I have been. <laughs> I toured Australia <laughs> with Cellar Boys, but it's, um, that's separate, that, that music there is separate to what I consider stuff I've been involved in. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. And if people want to find, engage with, help Melted Ice Cream and all the stuff you do, what's the, what's the, what should they do? Uh, send an email to meltedicecreamier at gmail.com. Um, I get, I, I get quite a few emails from people and I'm sorry if I don't reply immediately. Um, but I do look at them and I, um, and sometimes I'm I'm not in a position to really be able to do much, uh, but I really love um, seeing what's out there, and uh, I love I really love it when someone sends their music to me and no one else has heard, and I'm just like, wow, this is really special. Um, and sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes it's crap, uh, but I tend to try and reply. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the podcast and talking to me, mate. Thanks, Isaac. It was a real pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming out. <laughs>